Well, it's so good to see everybody this morning as we're gathered together in the house of the Lord. Amen. And uh, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles back to uh, 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be in chapter 2. We're going to get back to uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians and uh, continue our study uh, in that. And today, uh, as we're looking at 1 Thessalonians, we're going to be looking at the Apostle Paul who had to defend himself a little bit before the church because there were some attackers uh, that came against him personally. And so, you know, when we look at the Word of God and we begin to... Uh, to, to see, uh, you know, Satan is, uh, is the devil. That's who Satan is. He's the devil. And so what does that name mean? What does that title mean, the devil? That means the accuser of the brethren, right? And so Satan is still busy about that to this very day. And I know our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but oftentimes Satan uses flesh and blood. Amen. He uses them as his pawns. He uses them uh, as his tools to go against God's people to go against God's children to to be their accusers to try to accuse them of course accusing them uh, falsely and so when we look at this and we begin to understand uh, here it is we're in first Thessalonians chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 when we look here in the word of God we're reminded of the fact that uh, that the apostle Paul went into the church uh, to the city of Thessalonica remember we looked at that in Acts chapter 17 he went into the city of Thessalonica he preached the gospel there in the synagogues for Three, uh, for three Sabbaths, and so basically he was there for two weeks. Uh, some of the Jews, they came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but apparently many of the Gentiles came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior as well. So quite a few Gentiles were saved. Well, some of the uh, Jews, they rounded up some uh, worthless men, as the Bible tells us, and so they started this riot, and they drove the Apostle Paul out of town, and they asked, actually chased him to the next town to Berea. And they continued to chase him to where they eventually ended up successfully chasing him all the way out of Macedonia. And you know, that's what the devil does. He tries to run us out of town. But praise God that there were some there in Thessalonica that did hear the gospel. And so they continued on. And a church was actually started because those that were there, they heard enough of the gospel to where they can get enough of the understanding where a church could be planted and that gospel ministry could could just continue to grow and continue to flourish. So though Satan was uh, was successful out of, out of running one man out of town, he didn't run the gospel out of town. Amen. It, it continued to flourish and it continued to grow to the point to where the Apostle Paul said that the whole world has heard of your faith. And so they were busy about the business of continuing to spread the gospel message as well. But apparently what they began to do after the Apostle Paul left, they began they continued to attack there in Thessalonica. They continued to attack the person of Paul. And so as they continued to attack him, what's the apostle, uh, what, what's the purpose of this? Well, we understand the purpose in this as we, as we see here in the word of God as Paul defending himself. The purpose is in, in this is that they hate God. Amen? That, that's all it boils down to. They hate God. They hate Jesus Christ. They hate the gospel message of Jesus Christ and they hate the Word of God. They absolutely hate it. 
They hate God, they hate Jesus, they hate the Word of God. And you know, when we look at people that hate God, they hate Jesus, they hate the Gospel, they hate the Word of God itself. You know, they have many different tactics that they will come uh, after. So they, 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 have, they have these different tactics, and these different tactics, sometimes they will attack the person of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. And so as they attack the person of Jesus Christ, I want you to understand, I've, I've never seen the television series the Chosen, I've never seen it. I don't really see there's any point. I've got my Bible, and so I know what the Bible says. I've never actually watched it, and so I've heard different people say uh, that it is good. And uh, Dallas Jenkins, the son of Jerry Jenkins, Jerry Jenkins uh, worked with Tim LaHaye in writing the, uh, the, the series of books, uh, the Left Behind series, very good books, very biblically accurate i think a lot of jerry jenkins don't know a lot about his son uh dallas jenkins apart from the fact that he is making these television shows but he stirred up a hornet's nest a while back and as he stirred up this hornet's nest apparently one of the executive producers in the chosen is a mormon and so he defended Mormonism in saying this and saying that, that the Jesus of Mormonism and the Jesus of the Bible are two and the same. And so the problem is that the Jesus of Mormonism, uh, that, that Jesus' father came down and had a physical relationship with Mary, a physical relationship with Mary, and then therefore she physically conceived through that physical relationship. She gave birth to, uh, to Jesus. Jesus and Lucifer, by the way, are brothers. And so as Jesus and Lucifer are brothers, they actually had this physical battle out of seeing who is going to be boss, as seeing who is going to be, you know, uh, you know carry on the, the family uh, legacy. And, and Jesus of Mormonism, he is also, was also a 100% a man, just like we are 100% man and, and women, and there was no deity to him whatsoever. In fact, he had to live such a good life and be such a good person that he eventually eventually evolved into godhood and then he inherited his own planet and after he inherited his own planet he had a bunch of wives and they stay eternally pregnant and they are filling the world of the world that we're currently living in with spirit babies and by the way he's not the only god there's many 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 different gods that have their own planets and there they have all kinds of different wives that are also keeping their wives eternally pregnant isn't it good to be a mormon woman you stay eternally pregnant amen and so as you look at that, let me ask yourself, does Jesus of Mormonism and the Jesus of the Bible even remotely sound the same? Not even close. <laughs> Amen? Not even close. Again, I don't know anything really about that chosen uh, series. I, I've never watched a single program of it, so I don't, I don't know anything about it. But boy, he sure did stir up a hornet's nest when he made that comment. And so I think he just didn't know what he was talking about, uh, to be quite honest with you. And so he didn't have enough Bible behind him uh, to, uh, and probably not enough knowledge of Mormonism behind him uh, to understand fully uh, what he was talking about. I don't know. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But they're not even remotely close. <laughs> Amen. So people will attack the person of Jesus Christ by coming up with a totally different Jesus, a Jesus that more suits them. Or, or what do they do? They'll twist the Scripture. Right? They'll, they'll twist the Scriptures and they'll make the Scriptures say things that the Scriptures never actually said. And so as they twist the Scriptures and they, they teach and they preach things that are absolutely false, they all, oftentimes also come up with a totally different gospel. Amen? A, a totally 
different gospel. The gospel of Mormonism is that you have to work yourself up to be such a good person where you eventually earn your way unto salvation. Well, friends, that is totally contrary to the Word of God. I hate to keep picking on Mormons today, but it's a good example right there. Amen? And, and so the, the gospel of the Bible is that you are saved by grace through faith and faith alone only because of the works of Jesus Christ, not by the works of mankind, but the works of Jesus Jesus Christ that he went to the cross and he lived a perfect life and he died for our sins and not only was he a man but he was also fully God and Jesus who's God who's the son of God died on the cross for you and for me and he shed his precious blood uh, on the cross of Calvary to where if we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ we who are wretched sinners will be forgiven of those sins that's the gospel Anything contrary to that, in fact, the Apostle Paul said to the church of Galatia, he said, if I are an angel of heaven, preach to you a gospel contrary to that which you've already heard, let him be accursed, because this is heaven or hell we're talking about. And if you believe in a false gospel, you're going to go to hell. That's serious business right there. But another thing they'll do is they'll attack the messenger. Amen? They'll attack the messenger. And that's what they did here, they attacked the messenger. They didn't attack the person of Jesus Christ. They didn't say, oh no, we're Jews. We know who the Messiah is going to be. Paul got it all wrong. Jesus isn't the Messiah. No, they didn't attack the person of Jesus Christ. They didn't attack the Word of God. They didn't attack because, by the way, the Apostle Paul was using the Old Testament to point out who Jesus was. The New Testament was in the process of being written. It was being lived out at that very time. Amen? And so as we look at that, they didn't attack the gospel either. They attacked the character of the Apostle Paul. So they come after the messenger, and as they come after the messenger, they're attacking the messenger. If they can make the messenger look bad, then they can make the message look bad. Amen? And so, you know, Satan is good at that. That's one of his number one tactics that he uses even this very day is that he will go after the messenger. You know, sometimes I, I, I hear things, and so, you know, a, a few years ago I heard about I heard about the youth pastor over at Goodyear uh, Baptist Church. And, you know, it was on a Wednesday night. And so we, we gathered together for church. People are coming in. Did you hear what the uh, youth pastor at Goodyear Baptist Church did? I said, I heard what, what he was accused of doing. Hasn't been found guilty yet. Now, unfortunately, he was guilty, and he did do the deed. Now, I'm not picking on Goodyear because I think the pastor there handled it wonderfully. I think the whole church handled that wonderfully, as bad as you, as good as you can, in an absolutely awful situation. Like I think they did a phenomenal job in the way in which they handled it. And as a result, God's blessing that church today. They have a wonderful children's ministry, a wonderful youth ministry. So it's it's not a fight against the church, but they come in automatically. We heard accusation, and we automatically believe, well, it must be true. Well, all kinds of people accuse all kinds of other people of all kinds of different things. Doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Amen? And oftentimes, many times, they're not true. Now, he confessed to it. He said he did it. And all that came out in the wash. Now, he's sentenced to 25 years in prison. He's going to spend all that time in prison. But you know, when we look at this and begin to understand and recognize that here it is that we live in a world that we love to accuse. We love to slander. We love to cut somebody down. That's one of the worst things about social media. It's so easy to get behind a keyboard and just chop somebody down. 
And you don't have to stand toe-to-toe with them. You don't have to look them in the eye. You don't have to be there face-to-face. You can just get there behind that keyboard and you can just chop down all day long. <laughs> Amen? Never be a part of that. Ever. That we should never be a part of that. And so, you know, I, 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 uh, t- talking about Mormonism, years ago, Rick, uh, Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church out in California, wrote uh, Purpose Driven Life and all that kind of stuff. He, he was, he, uh, a, lot of, a lot of pastors were mad at him because he went and preached at a Mormon church. And I guess we'll keep the theme of Mormonism going on today. So, well, okay, he preached at a Mormon church. You're mad at him. But what did he preach? <laughs> Amen? If he went there and he preached the gospel, well, praise God. If he went there and preached God. Now, I honestly don't, it wasn't televised, it wasn't aired. Nobody really knows what he, what he preached. So I, we don't know what he preached, but hopefully he went there and preached the gospel. And if he did, praise God that he went and preached the gospel. I don't know what he preached, so, you know, I can't necessarily put down him. But listen, if I get invited to a cult, I'm going to go to that cult and I'm going to preach the gospel to that cult. If I get invited to a Satan's den, I'm going to go to that Satan's den and I'm going to preach the gospel at that Satan's den. I know an evangelist lives right there there on the coast. He got inv- invited over to the Hare Krishna a group because he's a nurse. They wanted to, him to come and talk about health and all that kind of stuff, and he did, but he also preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? He shared the gospel with them. So we don't need to listen to the accusations because that is what Satan does. Now if the truth comes out to be the truth then so be it, that's what it is. But listen, anybody can accuse anyone of anything in the world in which we live in today. And listen, everybody's a heretic today. Everybody, everybody's a heretic today. You don't believe me, you just get on social media. Amen? You'll find some of the greatest, most faithful, God-centered, Bible-centered, gospel-centered preachers on there, and somebody's going to come up there and, and, and say they're a heretic. I got, I got called a heretic on Facebook one time, and I, I, he said, don't, nobody listen to this guy, he's a heretic. So I... Uh, Wrote underneath there, I said, well, why are you calling me a heretic? He said, well, first of all, you're not preaching out of the King James Bible. That particular message I was preaching out of the King James Bible, I said, well, the first thing you need to do is you need to listen to the message <laughs> before you go off and call me a heretic. He never did answer why he thought I was a heretic. He, I think he deleted me and blocked me after that. But anyway, so as we look at this, It's easy to accuse. Amen? But here it is, the Apostle Paul walked the walk. He walked the walk. He didn't just talk the talk, but he walked the walk as well. So look here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he said, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we have, uh, we have the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. So, so he, he's reminding of them of that opposition that, that, that drove him out of town in the first place. And then in verse 3, he says this. He said, for our exhortation does not come from error or impurity are by way of deceit. Now, first of all, he's talking about his exhortation. He says, our exhortation. It doesn't come. He listed three things right there. Error, impurity, or 
by way of deceit. Now, when we look at that word exhortation right there, we, we, we examine the word exhortation right there. What does it mean to exhort? What, it, what does that word exhortation mean? You know, it, it, it means basically preaching, you know, when we, when we look at that, preaching. And, and sometimes people say, well, uh, preaching is teaching, right? Well, I want you to know that preaching is not teaching. Should there be teaching in preaching? That's what I'm doing right now. I'll tell you what the word exhortation means, right? And so, yeah, there ought to be teaching within preaching, but exhortation has a totally different meaning and preaching has a different t- a purpose to it than actual teaching. Now, I believe Bible teaching ought to always have exhortation in it as well. And so what is it doing? Brother Aaron does a wonderful job at that as well. And so what is exhortation? Exhortation is preaching for the specific purpose of seeing movement in the individuals in which you are preaching to or teaching. You want to see them make a decision. You want to see them make some kind of life change. You want to see them make some kind of movement within their life that moves them further away from sin and closer to Jesus Christ, further away from being a man or woman of flesh and more and more being the man or woman of God that God so desires for them to be. That's what exhortation is. So apparently they, they question the integrity of the Apostle Paul in his exhortation. You see, the only relationship that they had with him is what they heard him say, the words that they heard him speak. They didn't take the time to really get to know the Apostle Paul. So in the words that he spoke, they questioned his integrity by his exhortation. And so in this exhortation that he had, you know, as we, we, we understand, we, we, we look at this, he said, it does not come, this exhortation that he had, verse 3, it does not come from error and purity or by way of deceit. Now, as we look at this error right here, it does not come by error, he says. When we look in verse 4, he defends, the, he defends himself that, it, that this exhortation, what was the exhortation of? It was the preaching of the gospel. What was his purpose in the preaching of the gospel where he wanted to see movement? He wanted to see people saved. Amen? And people were saved. They did come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And it did not come by error, he says. In verse 4, he says right here, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our heart. See, that was the character, that was the integrity that the Apostle Paul had in his exhortation, in his preaching of the gospel. First of all, he says right here that this is approved of God. This is a God-approved word. <laughs> Amen? And how do you know if you have a God-approved word, you're preaching from the word? Amen? You're preaching from the word. And so when you're preaching from the Word, you have a God-approved Word. And he says that as we have a God-approved Word, in verse 4 again, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. They've been entrusted with the gospel. 
And as he's entrusted with the gospel, he receives the gospel. He fully understands what the gospel is. He has an absolute comprehension of what the gospel it is. It is the death, it is the burial, and it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But not just the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not just the fact of it. Not just the fact that he died and the fact that he was buried and the fact that he rose again. But the effectualness of it. The impact of the gospel that the gospel has upon individuals' lives who received the gospel, who receives the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that it will save your soul from hell and that it will give you life eternal and that Jesus Christ will live with you and the Holy Spirit of God will be in you from that moment on and you'll never be left alone and God is at work within your life and it is all empowered by the gospel message of Jesus Christ. He also says in verse 4, he says, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, for this reason, because it's God's gospel and it's not our gospel, we've been entrusted with this gospel, and so therefore we need to deal carefully as we're dealing with God himself as we're dealing with this gospel. He goes on to say, So we speak not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. We're not preaching the gospel to please men. And listen, what part of the gospel pleases men? You're all a bunch of filthy, rotten, stinking sinners and you're all headed to hell. What part of that pleases the flesh? (laughs) Amen? None of that should please the flesh. But there's a lot of sugar-coated so-called gospels out there today. Amen? Sugar-coated, ear-tickling, Pleasing to the senses, pleasing to the ears, pleasing to the flesh. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to get anybody upset, seeker sensitive. We want a lost person to feel comfortable coming to church. Well, I want a lost person to feel welcome coming to church, but friends, no lost person ought to ever feel comfortable under the preaching of the gospel. Because if they remain comfortable, when we get to, uh, you know, and, and, you know, suppose I see that person and they're uh, burning in hell. Uh, you know, they're burning in hell. And they're going to be in hell for all eternity. I don't think they're going to be in hell saying, well, Brother Rusty, I sure do appreciate you making me feel comfortable those times we visited your church. Amen? I'd much prefer for somebody to be uncomfortable in here Right now, in this present time, under the preaching of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, come under the conviction and surrender their lives to Jesus Christ to where then they can be filled with the joy of their salvation and live with Jesus in eternity forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen? When I was an evangelist, I was accused of... He said, you know, I had a pastor tell me one time, said, uh, all you evangelists want to do is try to scare people. My answer to him was, have you ever read your Bible? Amen. Who preached more on hell than anybody, Jesus? You you ever read the book of Revelation? That ought to scare you. Amen. You ever read in Hebrews chapter 10 where it says that it's a fearful thing to be in the hands of a living God. And they have an expectation of judgment of the wrath of God awaiting them. Should that not scare you if you're lost? 
It's not me trying to scare anybody. It's just me faithfully preaching the Word of God. Amen? I might intent to scare anybody, but if you get scared, you get saved, praise God. Amen? And so when we look at this and begin to understand, and we don't need to play emotional mind games with people to try to get them to be saved. We just need to be faithful to preaching God's Word. Amen? So then we look at this. He says not only did he, did he not do this in error, he said he also not in impurity. So again in verse 3, he says, For our ex- exhortation does not come from error or impurity. Not by impurity. Well, he laid that out in verse 5, and as he laid that out in verse 5, he says right here, For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a uh, pretext uh, uh, for greed. God is our witness. In, in this flattery of speech he's talking about right here, you know, we've got a world today that, that, that loves to hear that so-called gospel, uh, uh, that so-called prosperity gospel, that if you come to Jesus, Jesus is just going to be uh, your sugar daddy the rest of your life. Jesus is going to be your butler the rest of your life. He's going to be your magic genie in a bottle the rest of your life. And if you just have enough faith, you're going to be happy, healthy, and wealthy all over the rest of your life. Amen? That's not so. That's not true. That's not Bible. Ask Jonah if that's true. (laughs) Amen? Ask the Apostle Paul when he was chained to Roman jail cell wall if that's true. Ask Jesus Christ of whom they crucified and of whom he said that the Son of Man does not even have a home of his own or a pillow to lay his head on. Absolutely not true. Jesus didn't die to make us happy, healthy, and wealthy. He died to make us holy. That doesn't mean he doesn't want us to be happy, healthy, and wealthy, but friends, if we're not holy, what good is it for us in this life to be happy, healthy, and wealthy if we're going to spend eternity in hell? said, I didn't come to you with any flattery of speech. And so he also talked about, not only did he talk about the, that uh, he didn't come to him in error. Again, verse 3, for our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. So this impurity, I believe this impurity and deceit also has to do with the latter part of verse 5. He says, we never came with flattering speech, as you know, not with Uh, nor with a uh, pretext for greed. God is our witness. We didn't come to you with a pretext of greed. We didn't come to you trying to see what we can exhort out of you. Now, that both goes with impurity, and that uh, that also uh, goes along with deceit. You know, as we look at this, here it is, the Apostle Paul didn't come the church of Thessalonica and continue to do the work in which he did, to which he suffered, and he suffered greatly for the work in which he did, for the, for the purpose of trying to get anything out of them. No, he wanted to impart into them. Not for greed. Are there 
greedy pastors out there, the greedy preachers, greedy evangelists. Absolutely. I want you to understand they're in the minority. I truly do believe that they're in the minority. And you know, when you begin to think about that, begin to understand that, that aspect of greed right there, and there's this, this aspect of greed, we begin to understand when he goes on and, and also says in uh, uh, verse 6, he says, Nor did we seek the glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have uh, uh, asserted our authority. And the aspect of asserting authority, he could have said, Now, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have this great deal of authority. Now, in the name of Jesus, give me all of your money, and you're going to be blessed. Amen? Exert that authority and abuse that authority in that way of impurity and in that way of deceit. Now we're all familiar with the passage of the widow's might, and we see that in Luke chapter 21. And in Luke chapter 21, uh, Jesus praised the widow. As Jesus said there in Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, it says, And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw a poor wid uh, widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For out of their surplus, they put into the offering but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on and no doubt Jesus was honoring this poor widow that put in everything that she had but what drove her what motivated her to put in everything she had if she put in everything she had she had nothing left she, she kind of put herself in a position to where as she had absolutely nothing left nothing left in her life whatsoever she gave it at all she gave everything that she had now I want you to understand the Bible tells us to tithe the Bible tells us to give out of our first fruits and as we we, we live in that obedience here she just gave everything she gave it all but what drove her to do that we look backwards a little bit, and I think we see why in Luke chapter 20, a few verses behind this. Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 46, it says, Beware of the scribes who like to, uh, to walk around in long robes and love respectful greetings in the marketplace and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. Look at this, verse 47, Who devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long pr uh, prayers these will receive greater condemnation. How do they devour widows' houses? How do they devour the home of the widows the same way it's being done to this very day? Oh, if you just put a little bit more in that plate, God's going to bless you a little bit more. Oh, if you just give to my ministry or if you just buy my book or you, 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 you sow that seed of faith, right? Or whatever it is that you need to do, then friends, they are devouring the homes of the widows and it's still being done to this very day. Nothing wrong with supporting ministries. Nothing wrong with, 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 with giving that. But friends, we've got some that play mind games with impurity and play mind games with deceit and they're still devouring widows' homes to this day. And Jesus said they're going to receive a greater condemnation out of, as a result of it. And why are they doing it? Not to invest it back into the kingdom of God, but because of greed so that they can get more. 
And that's what it's rooted in. It's rooted in absolute greed. And Paul said, that's not me. In fact, not only did he say that that's not me, he went on to tell tell them that he didn't ask anything of them. He didn't ask of them a single thing. He said to them in uh, verse 8, he said, having so fond of affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you. That's what they came to do, is to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. That was his heart, that was his purpose, to impart the gospel and his own lives. But because you've become so very dear to us, for you recall, brethren, our labor and our hardship, how work, uh, working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel. We didn't come to be a burden to you. We came to be a blessing to you. Amen? Why we're not here to drain you dry. You know, there's a lot of folks out there today that believe because of these charlatans. Every church is like that. Matter of fact, we was in Nicholson. We was at Nicholson Elementary School and we was having a block party. We had probably about a thousand people out there having this block party out there. And so just all kinds of folks out there. And I walk up to this one guy. I asked him, so you plugged into a church anywhere? And he said, uh, he said, no, I don't go to church. I don't have anything to do with church. I said, well, why not? Because all that church does, want, they just want my money. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah? I said, how, how much was the ticket to get in here today? It didn't cost me anything. I came here for free. I said, did you get charged for parking? No. I said, how much was that free hot dog you're eating right now? Nothing. All these games now. You've got some children. Yeah, I've got children. Right. How, much, how much are we charging for these games that your children are? Nothing. Said, no, you know why? Church is paying for all this. Amen. Amen. The church are those who willingly gave so that we could pay for all of this so that you could come in so you could be blessed. Kids could have a good time. More importantly, you could hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Friends, it didn't cost you a penny to be here. Church went out of its way because they love you. And they wanted to impart to you. And he just kind of looked at me for a minute or so. And I said, by the way, I'm the pastor of the church. I'd love to have you come. Maybe I will one of these days. And he just turned around and walked off. <laughs> didn't have anything else to say amen but a lot of people have that mindset a lot of people have that mentality and it's absolutely wrong absolutely wrong amen but Paul goes on to say this and I'm going to close in this he tells them this in verse 12 why did, I, why did I live this way? For what reason? He wanted to impart to them the gospel. But what is the ultimate purpose in verse 12? So that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. I walked this way before you. And, and by the way, Six times, he says in this text of Scripture, as you know. (laughs) They knew how he walked. They walked with him. 
They saw him walk. They witnessed his life. They didn't just take somebody else's word for him. They knew him. Why did I do it? First of all, so that you can become a Christian. But now that you're a Christian, so that you'll walk this way too. See, it's not just the pastor's responsibility to live an upright, moral, ethical, God-centered life. It's every Christian's responsibility. No, you better believe they're watching the pastor. Oh, yeah. I wonder in the past year, how many folks have said, you see that car Brother Rusty drives? They're watching. Amen. I want to tell them my car costs less than your boat, but <laughs> I don't. <laughs> anyway, I, re- I refrain. That's okay. They're watching. They're watching you too. Amen. They're watching every single one of us. Because they're looking for an opportunity to bring about an accusation. Boy, the second you give them that opportunity, and we do sometimes. Every one of us do sometimes. I have. You have. We all have. Or they'll pounce. But friend, every single one of us are called to live a life of integrity. Why? Because it points people to Jesus. You can accuse all day long, but I know that man. (laughs) I know that one. No, they're not perfect. But I've seen the consistency of their life. It's all about pointing people to Jesus. Amen? Amen? Everybody stand. Get our music team to come on up here. Those getting ready for baptism, y'all can go ahead and go to the back at this time. Friend, are you living that life today? First of all, there's only one way you can live it, and that is if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, It's impossible for you to live that life. If you don't know him today, would you come to know him? Come to know Jesus today. Invite him into your heart and into your life to be your Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you know that you know that you know you're a Christian, no doubt in your heart or mind today, yet you've not been living the way you know God so desires for you to live. Come today in a heart of repentance. Turn to Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you. And He absolutely will. Live a life that points people to Jesus.